Oh, like, because when I shot, I expected to make it. So, like, I don't shoot kind of this. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, what's going on? Welcome to episode number 959 of Locked On Raptors for Thursday, June the 3rd. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter, as always, at WoodleySean. You can find the show at Locked On Raptors. You can find links to every single episode of the podcast. And, of course, please make sure to check out the entirety of the Lockdown Podcast Network on all of your favorite podcast apps. We've got a ton of great stuff for you, uh, including our NBA playoff coverage from all the shows covering the teams that are still in the postseason. The NHL playoffs are going strong, too. Uh, no shortage of stuff for you to check out. Also, you can go listen to Lockdown Blue Jays for your daily dose of, oh my God, Vladimir Guerrero did what? Uh, there's lots of uh, great things to check out on the network, so please go and support. Today's show is brought to you by our friends over at Michelob Ultra at 2.6 carbs and 95 calories. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. Thanks to Michelob Ultra for sponsoring the podcast. Uh, And now let's get to it. On today's show, we are continuing on with the season from hell in review as we go down the list of players who played for the Raptors this season, or at least finished the season with the Raptors. Uh, And today we're talking about the big one, the most important one, the one that you and I love the most. It is Kyle freaking Lowry. We're going to dive into Kyle Lowry's season. We'll talk about the non-trade at the deadline, uh, maybe sort of laugh at the playoff teams that are currently struggling who could have traded for him. Um, you know, no, nothing wrong with a little schadenfreude. And also, we're going to talk about the future with him. And joining me on today's show, the, the one of the best Kyle Lowry writers out there, like, you know, anytime this person writes about Kyle, I'm going to read it and I'm going to love it. And of course, you know her from this podcast and, uh, you know, regular appearances all the time. It's Katie Heindel. Katie, what's going on? Hey, man. I do feel like I kind of hog Kyle Lowry on this show, especially, but um, I was going (laughs) to say it's a nice kind of like gloomy, rainy day. It feels like a very uh, good introspective day to talk about yeah yeah i'm uh like lining myself up like an afternoon nap and uh, (laughs) you know thinking about how little i'm gonna do this afternoon so yeah i'm uh, i'm with you on that um katie let's talk about kyle shall we uh we'll we'll sort of follow the similar structure we have for these episodes so far probably a little bit more sort of a big picture with kyle than with a lot of the other guys we're going to dive into our biggest takeaways from the season that was. We're going to talk about the future. Uh, you know, should he have been dealt to the deadline? All that stuff. Um, so, Katie, let's start where we start with all of these. What was your sort of overarching takeaway? The thing you're still thinking about from Kyle Lowry's 2020-2021 season with the Toronto Raptors? Um, I mean, I guess that it was so unfulfilled in a way that, you know, I would have yeah. liked for him to have. And I, I, I don't, I think that's just like purely a selfish reflection. I don't think Lowry thinks of it that way whatsoever you know I think he got a pretty clear perspective from him at the end of the season that like he didn't he couldn't have known what would have been asked of him this season as a leader and as a team's leader but at the same time like he truly came into his own mm-hmm. as the team's leader and it's like it's soul sort of solitary leader in a much different and probably more difficult way just given everything that they had to go through and like kind of the, you know, the global climate of the, of like the, the year and the backdrop that they were facing on top of it all. But, you know, I think given that my less selfish takeaway 
is just like what a truly unselfish player and person uh, he is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that is a, a very uh, astute takeaway. He and this was the thing all year, right? It was like, oh, you got to save Kyle from this terrible team. Kyle's unhappy. Kyle hates it here, and it's like everything he's saying and doing and talking about suggests he's actually pretty content and very on board with the idea of being sort of the mentor to his beloveds and um, sort of shepherding this team through a really difficult time. You know, obviously he wants to compete for championships and things like that. And if you asked him to sort of rank his priorities, I'm sure the championship thing would rank pretty high. But I also like never bought into the idea that he was unhappy or that he wasn't enjoying this season for what it was and the things that he was providing to the team. Uh, and that that whole thing was kind of one of the most enriching things to watch this season, watching him kind of impart wisdom. I mean, some of the best stuff this year happened when he wasn't even playing. You know, the Malachi Flynn games where he's kind of going through his growing pains and then coming to the bench and getting talked to by Kyle about how to be a better point guard. Like, that stuff matters. And it ultimately is why... I was very okay with the idea of not trading him and why I think even though he only played like nine games after the deadline, he still, I think, brought a ton of value to the table just by being that dude who is happy to sort of impart wisdom to the next generation, which is not easy to find and not easy to find someone who's going to embrace that under bad circumstances. And um, Kyle really, you know, it wasn't his best season or anything like that. It wasn't his most sort of... um, you know, all-encompassing statistical, you know, wow, oh my God, this guy's incredible. He's an all-NBA player like type of year. But it was, in a lot of ways, the sort of most Kyle Lowry season you could have where he was just sort of leaning into the leader that he is and, and everything wonderful around that. It was... Uh, I, I'm with you, though. It does feel a little bit unfulfilled in terms of just like the on-court stuff. I mean, going into the year... I remember talking on this podcast about what my like, my like dream priorities for the season were, and it was basically uh, do everything you can to give Kyle Lowry one last earnest playoff run with the, with this team if this is going to be the end. And the Raptors didn't do that, obviously. Circumstances got in the way. I have a pretty strong inclination that had COVID not hit before the deadline, that they were probably going to lean into adding to the team and bolstering for a playoff run. And of course, the... 13 losses or whatever it was the one in 13 month in March kind of derailed all those plans and made it unrealistic for the Raptors to go and add to the team and sort of you know balance the now and the future but it is still going to be one of those things where (laughs) it's like damn I wish I could have seen him play one last playoff game with the team and that's not to say that he's not going to continue playing playoff games with the team like that it's very likely that he's back you know I don't know what the percentage chance is but it's still on the table for sure and we'll get to that in a little bit here Katie but um yeah the the fulfillment side of things in terms of the team and personal success wasn't there you know do you begrudge the Raptors for not maybe going in earlier to try to bolster the team around Kyle or do you kind of understand given the circumstances why uh you know they ultimately went the path they did no, because how could they know? Do you know what yeah. I mean? Like, I think yeah. that's the thing. Like, I think in some ways it's good to like look back, like retrospectively at this season, and and the the biggest takeaway should be like we should hold it with like a pretty heavy grain of salt, just given like the weight of what every team had to go through. But I don't think you can make like retrospective, like rust, like especially for the Raptors. Um, roster kind of inferences on like what they should have done because like the the landscape kind of shifted from day to day you know and I think that's another thing that's come to mind since we've been talking about a takeaway I would kind of lend to Kyle every season which is very adaptive and I think in a 
in a season where a lot of teams now, especially in the playoffs, even these like deep teams that were kind of adaptive because they had the personnel, not necessarily because they had like the wherewithal or the aptitude to be. And I think that's what we're seeing now with teams kind of like either flatlining in the playoffs, you know, like, like look at the Clippers, look at the Lakers, like those are teams that had personnel. And so, you know, if they had personnel and like the adapt, the adaptability kind of an aptitude, they'd probably be in a much better position. And I think, unfortunately, the Raptors had adaptability, but they had finite personnel. And I think a lot of that adaptability comes from Kyle Lowry. And, you know, we saw him kind of lend that out by whether it's like perspective, just kind of like the way he would bolster his teammates or, you know, just like, again, like his overarching, I think, performance, like you touched on it a little bit. It wasn't, it was by no means a career year for him, but I also think that's a testament to him kind of taking a step back a lot of the time mm-hmm. when he also didn't play that much. Cause he was unfortunately sidelined, but when he did, he was still active. And I think mm-hmm. like, you know, though he has said, he doesn't want to take a total backseat role. Like he still wants to compete. And I think that will determine where he if stays or if he goes and where he goes. I do think he's pretty comfortable with that role in Toronto because he is still like such an active part of it. But yeah, I think like just generally adaptability again in a season where like it's probably the last thing he wanted to be known for, <laughs> you know, he probably wished it was a career season, um, but it didn't turn out that way. Yeah. I mean, we, it was a lesser season production wise, but also you could make the argument that he was still the best player on the team for a, a good chunk of the year. So uh, that speaks to how rad he is, is the thing. Um, we'll continue on talking about Kyle Lowry and we'll get into sort of the trade or not to trade debate once again. Now in retrospect, we get to look back at it. Uh, we'll talk about that in a second. But first, I want to tell you about our friends over at rockauto.com who are saving you money when you go to the mechanic. Sometimes you go to the mechanic and you have a car part that you need replaced or fixed and they will say, hey, it costs this much money and you're just sitting there like, oh, I guess I have to pay this because the mechanic says so. That's Guess what? You don't have to pay that price. You can pay much less, 30, 50, even more, uh, less than you're being charged with the mechanic for your car parts and that's at rockauto.com they're a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers their catalog is so easy to navigate i can't say this enough i'm a car idiot i don't know how cars work i don't understand them at all but i know that i can search for the part i need at rockauto.com i'll put in the year make model of my car i'll put in the part i need and then boom i don't just get one option i get like three four sometimes five options of a part that i can order and they're all priced differently and you can pick the best prices you can pick the best brands whatever the hell you want it's up to you the rockauto.com catalog gives you all of the resources to choose uh go to rockauto.com right now and search for auto and body parts uh and whatever ones are available for your car or truck, right? Locked on there. How did you hear about us box? So they know that we sent you as well. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the car parts you will ever need at rockauto.com. All right, Katie, we're going to continue on here talking about Kyle Lowry. But first, I just want to remind people that there's lots of NBA coverage, uh, playoff coverage going on in the network right now. All of the shows covering the team still in the postseason. And on the road to the finals, our NBA playoff coverage is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. And at 2.6 calories and 95 calories, 2.6 carbs and 95 calories, that is, we can all enjoy the games a little bit more this season. All right, Katie, Kyle Lowry. Deadline. This was the main thing. We kind of had like a somewhat goodbye to Kyle during that uh, Denver Nuggets game just before the deadline. Um, Seemed like a deal was going to happen. I remember we did a podcast right after a deal didn't happen and we were racked with fear that something was going to happen that day. Of course, it did not. Um, 
in hindsight now, you can kind of look back and sort of look at the decision not to trade him. And, you know, they got nine games out of him. They didn't make a playoff run or anything like that. And I think some people out there might suggest that, hmm, the Raptors could have maybe softened a little bit on their asking price and just moved on from Kyle and not risk losing him for nothing. Um, I know how I feel about this, but I want to go to you, Katie. I feel like I know how you feel about it as well. But, you know, with the benefit of hindsight, do you think the Raptors missed the mark not trading Kyle the deadline? And do you think they will regret it? Uh, no, I don't think the Raptors regret it. I think the proof actually of their decision being the correct one is now what we're seeing in all the teams that weren't like on the perspective other end of that trade um really like floundering like the heat got swept the lakers were in talks to someone like kyle lowry right now would be like exactly who they need the sixers as well though they're like they're looking strong but i would argue they really haven't had like a kind of a squared off matchup yet you know, mm-hmm. um, and they will because it's either going to be the Nets or the Bucks. You know, so I think to me that's just more proof that Larry was exactly what those teams needed, and the asking price was what it should have been. <laughs> you know, and mm-hmm. like those teams are probably kicking themselves and like looking at it and being like, "Yeah, we probably could have parted with like Tyler Hero. We probably could have parted with like <laughs> you know these picks or whatever." Taylor like Tucker, yeah, yeah, like whatever. <laughs> whatever seemed too precious at that time. Now, when you, when you look to like the actuality of gameplay, it's like, Oh yeah, there was this tangible thing on the table for us and we rejected it because of like, I don't know, her dreams for the future maybe, but I don't know in terms of uh, Toronto, like just kind of the nuts and bolts of that trade. Even if you've got like a, hypothetical good return for Lowry it wouldn't have put the team in a different position they weren't gonna like have a deeper playoff run you know like they weren't really Mm -hmm. gonna I I would even argue that like based on the available options I don't know how different it would have made the team next season um compared to like the moves that they can make in this offseason now knowing what they do they kind of have the full picture Mm -hmm. you know they know where they stand so yeah I think it like it was very stressful (laughs) super stressful (laughs) But I do think it was the right decision. Absolutely. Yeah, I think so, too. Um, You know, I I think there will be some sort of calls out there saying that, oh, if if Lowry leaves for nothing, then, you know, what, do they get nine games out of him? And is it actually worth it? And like I said off the top, I think all of the wisdom he he was sitting around imparting for that back part of the season has value, has, you know, you can't put a finger on it, you can't put a number on it, but... It's certainly there, and it's undeniable. Like, if you were to go ask Malachi Flynn, did you benefit from having Kyle Lowry around in the last two months of the season? The answer would be, absolutely, yes, I did. It's Kyle freaking Lowry. Um, And and yeah, I think, you know, when you think about the trades that were out there as well, you know, maybe the Raptors could have just said, okay, fine, we'll take your poo-poo platter from either the Knicks, sorry, either the Heat or the Lakers, and just gone with it. But they would have been signing themselves up in both cases to kind of have to sit there and talk about, okay, how much do we pay Taylor Horton Tucker? How much do we pay Duncan Robinson? And like putting that decision on their plate, which is a very similar decision they have with Kyle Lowry and whether they want to pay him and sort of eat their cap space to keep him around. And ultimately, I'd rather like the choosing between whether you want Kyle Lowry, Taylor Horton Tucker or Duncan Robinson around. It's not really a difficult uh, debate to me. Like you'd rather be having that conversation about Kyle Lowry and trying to figure things out there. And ultimately, if he leaves, then they have cap space and they have some flexibility and they have, you know, the the sort of 
the, everything they lined this offseason up to have. Like, it was all around potentially this being Kyle's final season anyway. So, yeah, I, I'm totally at peace with the decision not to trade him. You know, if some team had come out of the woodwork, if the if the Sixers actually did come up with their best offer with, like, Tybal and um, who's the other guy? Uh, Maxi and a couple picks. Like, okay, maybe if that was on the table and they said, no, you can get a little upset in hindsight. But that was not on the table. And the other teams around the league had their reasons not to throw their full best offer on the table because of the, the lack of leverage, really, that the Raptors would have had. But, yeah, ultimately... If you want to be upset about not getting an extra pick or whatever, sure, I guess you can do that. But ultimately, I think having Kyle and having the option to bring Kyle back next season is far more valuable than, um, you know, whatever sort of crap you're going to get from the uh, the Heat in a deal and having to make the decision about paying Duncan Robinson his next contract, which, boy, that sounds terrifying. Not not for me, <laughs> Katie. I know uh, you're a, you're now a Duncan Robinson acolyte, but um, I, I, I don't think you want to be in the business of figuring out the market for that guy going forward. Um, I do want to say Kyle, also yeah. like the other Sorry. thing that, because yeah. just you mentioned like, you know, the, the growth that he potentially afforded Malachi, but I also think like another player we've really lauded in terms of his performance at the end of the season was OG. And I think, yeah. you know, OG again is a player we're always kind of, at least I am always lamenting. Like he never, he's never had like a clear runway. He's never had just like his own, his own kind of uncrowded path to development that, you know, a lot of his that like Pascal or Fred have had. Uh, and I think he kind of got that in a roundabout way at the end of the season, because he was so freed up to just like, everyone was depending on him and he had Larry kind of watching over him. And I'm sure like in his ear about the things that he was improving. So like, I think that's probably another really good example of the space that Larry sort of afforded the team, even when he wasn't, playing and you know just kind of the insight and value that he has just like by a proximity did you have a favorite moment of kyle's season on the floor hmm. um on like this this season the raptor season has already just like morphed into a weird blob <laughs> that i can't you know what i mean it's very hard to pick things out of yeah. it anymore for me and that's like pandemic brain i'm sure and that's just like the mess <laughs> of the season um no, I think just like, no, I think just like his honesty a lot of the time, you know, mm -hmm. because there are seasons we've seen him much more frustrated. Um, but I was kind of surprised in some of the, especially more like painful losses in his post games, how just kind of even keel he was. And he was mm -hmm. always just like very balanced. He was just like, yeah, this sucks. But like, you know, kind of like what, not what do you want us to do in a defeated way, but just like we're doing, we're doing all we can. And we're also like looking ahead and we're being realistic with ourselves. Um, mm -hmm. I know, again, I just think like for a player you thought maybe was at the end of his career learning curve. I think this season probably afforded him an even steeper curve. Like it, it wouldn't have otherwise if they stayed in Toronto, you know, like if conditions were what they were, um, I think he's like a much better player for it. And like, that's coming from me from someone who already thought he was just like, phenomenal to begin with yeah yeah
Um, my favorite moment is his final game of the season, uh, where he comes after barely playing for the previous few weeks uh, and scores thirty-seven <laughs> on the Lakers, uh, partially yeah, responsible. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna like say it's Kyle's uh, responsibility that the Lakers ended up in the play-in um, because he came out of nowhere and in a huge game for the Lakers, absolutely punked them with thirty-seven and eleven, eight of thirteen from three. Two, my God. Uh, and I think yeah, just you know, the way he always <laughs> frustrated. <laughs> the hell out of LeBron I did yeah. take a perverse joy in yeah and, and the fact that you know that was the last Raptors win of the season and you know it's a bummer we didn't get to see him again after that but also it's kind of perfect that we didn't get to see him again after that and they played out the string um kind of I think looking at that game against the Lakers as like oh yeah this is the final proof that we were in fact good if circumstances allowed for it and uh that's pretty nice it's their one win in their last 11 games of the season which is uh pretty wild shout out to kyle lowry forever um katie we're gonna take a look at the future coming up in just a second here and wrote, sort through whether he should be back whether we want him back and uh what the raptors can do can do from here uh we'll get to that in one sec but first i want to tell you about our friends over at betonline.ag the fastest is an easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports action you get the baseball season in full swing you've got nba and nhl playoffs going on right now you've got ufc mma before the next pitch tip off shot whatever it might be head over to bet online and on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news sign up bonuses and contest info don't sit on the sidelines anymore as this is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their runs to the playoffs head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit when you use the promo code locked on all one word that is betonline.ag your online sports book experts all right katie let's round this out just a heads up tomorrow's podcast i'll be joined by carlin gay of nba canada uh, or nba tv canada or no he's in the nba in the states he covers canadian players for nba tv in the states either way Carlin's coming to the pod. We're going to talk about Ken Birch and Team Canada as the qualifying tournaments draw kind of near. So that'll be tomorrow. Um, Katie, let's continue talking about Kyle here. We don't know what's going to happen with him. I really have no read on the situation. I don't think the postseason press conferences gave us really any clarity as to what the plans are going to be with Lowry going forward here. Um, and it's an interesting sort of market. There's not a ton of teams with cap space. The heat just completely flamed out, and maybe that makes them more likely to pursue Kyle. Maybe that makes them realize they're not quite as close to a championship as they thought, and they won't pursue Kyle. I have no idea. I guess the main question here, Katie, is uh, do you want Kyle Lowry back? You know, there's arguments for and against in terms of team building and all of this stuff. You know, you could argue that the best way the best path to a championship for the Raptors is to use their cap space this offseason um, in the event Kyle does leave and you know maybe go after an RFA maybe make a trade and sort of absorb someone into cap space or just kick the can down the road a little bit and look for deals in the next year or two uh, or they could keep Kyle around which kind of limits their other flexibility this summer they would only really have like the mid-level exception to work with if they were to keep Kyle and, and pay him what he's probably going to want but, you know, there's so there's arguments both both ways. I, I'm curious, Katie, where do you come down? I feel like we've talked about this before, but it, it's worth repeating because it's Kyle Lowry. And talking about Kyle Lowry is one of the only things I like doing. Um, so where are you at, Katie, on the Kyle return question? Um, this is pretty tough because I actually think, you know, I, I, I said this um, at the deadline that all the teams that were kind of in the running for him, we're only going to have their arguments made stronger than they yep. have. <laughs> I think the market for him um, is just as viable as it was. Yeah. It's just as viable as it was then. 
Um, so I think they'll probably like some teams are probably going to be willing to be more, much more aggressive. And the Raptors, given the season that they've had and what they're looking ahead to, are probably going to look at that, you know, knowing everything they do and knowing what they're moving toward, whether that's like a high pick, trying to trade the pick, depending on what the, the direction they want to like move in, which again, I'm not really clear on. Um, and I wasn't really signaled to us, I think, by Messiah or anyone in the front office at the end of the season, other than they were going to like take a significant step away and right. um, plan accordingly. Uh, a, a very sad part of me could see him fitting well, kind of like seamlessly with the heat, um, almost with the heat as is. Uh, the Lakers would be more difficult. The Sixers also would be more difficult because um, I think you kind of have to play second fiddle to Simmons. So I don't know. I It's funny, like at the end of the season, I was like, yeah, he's going to stay for sure. But just like the playoffs always kind of clarify things. So uh, while in my heart, I hope he comes back. I do take to heart what he said himself, which was just like, he wants to, he's not ready to like mm -hmm. take a backseat. You know, he still, he, he still has this kind of wind down mentality and, you know, he's a, he's a man of his word. And we've seen that like throughout his entire tenure with the Raptors. So it's going to depend, I think, on what he can be offered with Toronto, what kind of strong moves they can make in the offseason to compliment him. Mm -hmm. You know, I think he'd love, like, in his heart, I'm sure he'd love to come back to the core, continue to help develop the team, and just, like, be that background presence. But, like, he's also an incredibly competitive person. Um, so he might go where he, he's, like, afforded the best ability yeah. to win now. I, I do wonder how much the draft lottery plays a role in this um it, it's weird like I, I think when the season ended mm -hmm. i was probably like 70 30 thinking he was going to come back and that's probably gone down to about 50 50 maybe even less than 50 just you know kind of reading the tea leaves i think the answer from masai's presser that kind of raised my eyebrows the most was when he talked about you know he was asked about kyle's future and he's like you know we'll have to look at you know going younger maybe and look at the younger guys and the development that's going to be important for us and that to me if anything kind of tipped the hand that maybe did a little bit even though nothing really means anything in these press conferences so you know take everything with a grain of salt and so yeah i think i've probably gone down to about 50 50 as to whether or not he's back i you know the the playoffs certainly have you know created some interesting situations like I said, with the Heat, you know, maybe them flaming out as badly as they did suggests that they're not actually a Kyle Lowry away from a title. And for them to go and pay Kyle, you know, two, three years at what he's going to want, maybe that's not in their best interest, especially because they have to basically renounce everybody on their team to make it work. Um, you know, they basically would like re-sign Duncan Robinson, sign Kyle, and then it's like, bam, Jimmy, Robinson, Hero, Kyle, Precious Achua. And that's basically the roster. And like Gabe Vincent or whoever random random dudes that like to bring up Max Struess. Um, and so I, I wonder if they'll change the calculus on that. You know, if they were right on the edge of contention, then maybe that's something they talk themselves into. But maybe looking around the East and sort of comparing themselves to the, the big guns, they say, hmm, maybe this is not our time to strike. You have the Lakers, you have the Sixers, and you know we'll see what happens with the Sixers. There's a chance they make the finals and feel like they have the right group. Maybe they get uh, absolutely stomped in the conference finals by one of Milwaukee or Brooklyn and want to make a move. That'll require a sign-and-trade, most likely, unless Kyle's going to go for the mid-level exception, which I can't see him doing. Um, he's you know hinted at wanting like two years 50 at times. So 
you know, that that would be a sign and trade situation. A similar sort of return, I would guess, is what you'd hope for at the deadline if you were the Raptors. And it may probably a little bit less. And the same goes for the Lakers, who don't really have a ton to trade. The Clippers can't, like, do it at all because they're hard-capped and everything like that and all boring cap-related stuff that makes them uh, a totally unsuitable partner for Kyle, despite him being exactly what they need more than anything else. Um, so, yeah, it's just not an easy landscape to figure out where he's going to slot in. I think you could very easily see this end up being like the 2017 offseason, where he tested free agency, seemed like he was going to move on, and then there was just nothing out there. The market didn't bear anything, so he said, all right, I'll come back, and the Raptors paid him. And I don't think it will be quite as contentious or sort of like a settling situation like it was in 2017, where it kind of seemed like maybe Kyle was over it after that playoff loss to the Cavs. Um, obviously, very glad he returned, and everything has turned wonderful since then, and I think whatever happens, they're going to go out on good terms this year. But maybe that's sort of what happens. He tests the market, circles back after nothing really sort of appears and brings himself back to the Raptors. I, I could totally see that happening. And then, like I said, I think the draft lottery probably plays a role in this as well. You know, if the Raptors jump up to first and get Cade Cunningham, who figures to be the two guard of the future, maybe the Raptors say, you know what? Kyle, you've done everything for us, but it just, you know, we got to sort of focus on this new superstar we have on our team and, you know, create space for him to kind of learn and grow. And while it'd be great to have you here kind of imparting wisdom, we can't even necessarily guarantee you a starting job. So, you know, maybe that's just the decision made for him. But if they get like the second pick and you get Evan Mobley, there's still room for a guard to kind of lurk in that backcourt and um, you kind of go forward and he can kind of help bring along a center and maybe he's a developmental tool for an Evan Mobley. It's, I have no idea how this is all going to go, Katie, and I don't think we'll have any sort of clarity until free agency begins and maybe the draft lottery gives us a little bit of sort of an inkling as to what the plans might be, but it's uh, it's pretty hard to put your finger on. If you had to like bet right now, you know, will he be back or not? Where do you kind of lean? Are, are you like me and maybe your confidence has kind of waned since the end of the season? Mm, yeah, like I said, it, it definitely has gone gone down, I think, like um, exponentially just since the deadline and just like seeing everything that's happened in the playoffs so far. Uh, if I had to bet right now, this is tough because I also think like Larry's pretty astute and he's not going to like he wouldn't just be like, all right, I'm going to Miami because it, it would depend in those conversations. I imagine he'd be like, well, what else are you going to yeah. add? Because I saw the way that you guys played in the playoffs, you know, and I know what is missing. Uh, and I think he's realistic about like what he can add and like who he would still sort of need around him mm-hmm. to make that work. Um, you know what? I'll be optimistic. I'll say like, as it stands now, the landscape of the league, he will come back. I like it. I like it. But that's June 3rd. That's me on June 3rd. <laughs> we, will, we will tape this. We will clip this. We will share it out to the world so everybody knows that uh, you called it on this date, Katie. Um, you know, I, and I think, like, bringing it back is a totally, f- like, feasible option. And I don't love framing the sort of conversation of the next couple of years of the Raptors around, like, well, how do they get back to title contention? Because, look, that's very hard. It's not an easy thing to do. It requires probably a mm-hmm. superstar to sort of shake free and be disgruntled, and the Raptors have to be the team to make that deal. Or they get Cade Cunningham and, you know, the rebuild is expedited. But I I think it is sort of dangerous to only talk in terms of being a championship team. And I think the direction really should just kind of mirror what it has been for the last eight or so years where, you know, you just stay good and, and stay relevant. And Kyle certainly helps you do that. 
He helps you shepherd along the shadow core that you're starting to build now with Flynn and Gary Trent and uh, Jalen Harris and whoever your pick is this year, your second round picks and stuff like that. You know, there's a lot of value to having a guy like Kyle around, even if it may, maybe caps your ability to move from middle tier playoff team to title contender. Guess what? In the Eastern Conference, title contention means you're on the par, on par with the Nets right now, and uh, very few teams can attain that. It's very difficult to get three super duper stars like those guys, and you have to, I think, adjust your expectations accordingly. And also, you, they just won a title recently. I know Masai was all like, "Oh, you know, we forgot two years ago already." Uh, I haven't, and most people haven't. I would I would think, and it's obviously the front office's job to try to prioritize winning another title, but. I think for the fan base, you can have a bit of a leash here and have a bit of a, a patient approach because guess what? The patient approach yielded a title last time and it might not again this time, but I think sort of looking at things in terms of, okay, what this offseason gets us closest to a championship next year, the year after, it's kind of a flawed way to think because unless you're getting yourself multiple superstars to go toe-to-toe with the Nets, it's not super realistic. Um Am I off base with that at all, Katie? Or like, are you also kind of in the um, honeymoon phase still of the title and maybe not feeling the urgency to go push for one and thus, you know, making the, the sort of difficult decision to say, you know, Kyle, you're not our path to getting a title in the next couple of years um, and moving on from him. I think as fans, we can still afford to sort of be in that glowy <laughs> post-title stage. But I think for Lowry, um, he sure. can't be because, you know, he's got less years at He's, he's moving toward less years in his career than he ever mm-hmm. has before entering this season, wherever he enters it. So I, I think if like another title is one of the biggest, if not biggest driver for him, like him and what his decision is, um, he's not looking at that title yeah. anymore. You know, like he, he can't really afford to be like, this is the league is so it's so accelerated. It skews younger every season. All we ever hear from like any, um, whether it's like criticism or just discussion around Larry, it's always prefaced with his age, yeah. you know, like I don't believe it. Cause I think he's playing some of the smartest, um, best basketball of his career. Maybe not the fastest anymore, but like it's, it's getting better. Um, but we're really biased. Uh, but uh, yeah, in terms of like where he fits, he fits in the league, his age is always going to like kind of be hanging over his head at this point, mm-hmm. but we shouldn't forget the title. Yeah, like allow yourself the rosy glow. But I think like Masai's so good at what he does is because he's like uh, incredibly cold-blooded <laughs> about those things. <laughs> and you need to be, like you need to be to be a good, that's why I'd be like a terrible um, GM because I would, I wouldn't be able to do that. <laughs> uh, well, too nostalgic. Yeah, yeah. Oh, me too. It's, yeah. Look, do I have attachment issues uh, to like the title team? Yeah, maybe. Does that inform how I feel about Kyle a little bit? Probably, but also... Like it's okay. That's what sports are about. You're supposed to have attachment issues to the to like the players who um, make you feel attached. I don't know, um, Katie. That feels like a good place to leave this one. We've. Uh, I mean, we're not going to stop talking about Kyle Lowry on this podcast. It will continue on mm-hmm. until we know what his fate is, and then probably after for a very very long time. Um, but we'll leave it there for today. Katie, do you have anything you'd like to promote? Yeah, sure. Uh, I'll, for once, I will promote um, on Basketball Feelings, uh, my newsletter on Substack. I'm doing a series called Exits, mm-hmm. uh, where I'm basically writing kind of like a, sometimes they're retrospective, sometimes they're more in the moment, um, a, a piece about every single team as they're eliminated from the playoffs. Thus far, I've done the Heat and the Celtics. Unfortunately, three teams were eliminated last night. So <laughs> uh, I've got my work cut out for me, but I'm both 
posting those on my, on my Twitter threaded, uh, or you can subscribe or just go to Substack, basketballfeelings.substack.com to read them. Highly recommend. Go and uh, subscribe and read always Basketball Feelings. It's the best uh, basketball writing there is, frankly. Um, you can, of course, find me on Twitter at Woodley Sean. You can subscribe to, rate, and review this podcast wherever you get your podcast. It's always appreciated. And, of course, be sure to sign up uh, or get your receipts, your donation receipts into me uh, regarding our watch party of the draft lottery on June 22nd. Once again, a $25 donation to either the Indian Residential School Survivor Society or Islamic Relief's Palestine Emergency Fund uh, will get you into our live watch party. Katie's going to be a guest on the show. We've got Kelsey O'Brien lined up as well. We're working on some other big-time fun guests to pop in. We'll hang out. We'll react to the draft lottery. We'll talk about the draft picks they might make after it. We'll do a little trivia to round out the night. It's going to be an absolute blast. We've already got a lot of people who have sent in their receipts. We are up to 365 bucks raised, which is very exciting. That is before my $250 comp- uh, contribution goes in there as well. So uh, we're well over 500 bucks now, or I guess 600 bucks now when you factor that in, which is very, very cool. And uh, we're... I'm very excited. It's going to be a ton of fun. And uh, again, all of the info for how to get in is on my pinned tweet. Just send me a DM with your receipt and you will be added to the list to get the password. It will be very, very fun. Uh, All right, that's going to do it. We'll talk to you again on Friday with Carlin Gay talking Ken Birch and Team Canada basketball. Until then, have a good one, everybody. And uh, bye-bye.